Welcome to How to Stop Wanting Him Back, a podcast on not just getting over your ex, but into yourself. I'm Claire, the Heartbreak Coach. Let's make what feels impossible possible. We are at episode 61, Feeling Not Enough. Now, this was a trick wording of the title. Did any of you who've been listening for a while pick up on this? Any of my clients listening pick up on this? Not enough is a thought. I am not enough. It is not a feeling. And my clients get confused on this a lot. And I remember when I first started therapy with my dream therapist, Ashley Graber, we don't work together anymore, but I have had her on the podcast. We'll have her on again. I absolutely love her. She really helped me set the foundation that I think has helped me really thrive with this coaching work. She is a mindfulness-based psychotherapist, and that really resonated with me as a yoga teacher at the time, a regular yoga practitioner, still am today, pretty regular meditator. I'm on day 15 today. Who's counting? Me. I, I go in and out with my meditation practice, and every time I come back into it, I'm like, why did I leave it? Everything just shifts and fall into place. And especially for all of you out there right now who are all of you out there right now who are. You all are quarantined. (laughs) Everybody is. And or maybe by the time this episode airs, nope, we should pretty much be quarantined, at least in California. We're quarantined till May 15th, and I'm pretty sure it's going to get extended. So you have the time to go inward, watch your brain, investigate. There's no such thing as being bad at meditating. My thoughts run amok. Every time I meditate, even with guided meditation, but the practice is to come back to the breath. The practice is to come back to stillness. The practice is to watch what your brain is thinking, whether it's planning, future tripping, anticipating fearful events, or looking over the past, rehashing, ruminating, resisting the past, or resisting the present. Watching your brain say, I don't want to meditate while you're meditating is part of the process of meditating. It's just watching and being and feeling in stillness. And I just can't tell you how much shifts. When the pandemic first started, my brain immediately went to, what's going to happen with my business? And I've actually had more clients come to me during this time because I remanaged my brain to focus on the people who now have the time, who really want to dive in and dig deep and do this coaching work. Because the outside distractions like going to the gym, meeting friends for dinner, going on dates to distract yourself from thinking about your ex instead of doing the inner work, instead of doing the conscious healing over the past so that you don't recreate it in the present or in the future. So this is the time, my loves, no better time than the present. Don't you want to come out of this quarantine healed, happy, and more whole than you were before the quarantine started? How amazing would that be? 
And any of you out there who are not heartbroken, but you're currently dating, online dating, or gave up on online dating, there's an amazing new dating app, I believe, or site called Catch Feelings Not COVID. We'll put a link to them in the profile, at least to their Instagram handle. I'm not sure if they have a website. Catch Feelings Not COVID. This is not an excuse to not still show up in your dating life. I have a few clients who are totally connecting with people because it's requiring people to show up in a different way and get to know each other because they can't meet in person. But after some time, I've had a couple of clients actually meet their potential lovers, their potential new lovers during the pandemic. I'm convinced the New York Times is going to write this huge op-ed on all the newfound love during this pandemic. I'm also convinced there's going to be a lot of breakups during this pandemic when all the shit that's kind of humming in the back of your brains about the partners that you're living with really comes to the surface because you cannot escape it because you're just confined to the space, which again is a gift. It really is because it forces you to face the music with your shit. And if you are one of those people, I hope you go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com, click on the work with me link and apply for my six month one-on-one coaching program to dig deep. And it's not just about healing your heart and cleaning up all the shit with that relationship. It is about falling the fuck in love with yourself and then shifting all the areas of your life. I wrote recently on Instagram about how I was wrapping up with five clients over the course of a month, but it was actually six clients. It is so amazing to set these women free. Some of them I've worked with for just the six months, some extended to the year. It just depends on where you're at at the end of the six months, if there's more for us to work on. And it just felt so amazing to be able to set these six women free who are totally shifted, totally healed. And that does not mean that they're never going to get heartbroken again. There are no guarantees. I've met the love of my life and I still always recognize that there are just no guarantees, even though I really believe we're going to be together forever. Shit happens. Life happens. Things change. No guarantees. But I know I have got me. I know I have the tools if the worst case scenario were to happen. And I notice how my brain wants to go to that worst case scenario because it isn't used to being in such a loving relationship on all the levels. I never knew it was possible to have everything I would want in one man until I decided it was possible. I realized I didn't think it was possible. And that is what is a huge gift from this work. How many of you have come to me and thought that healing over your ex wasn't possible? How many of you came to me and thought that falling in love with yourself wasn't possible? How many of you have come to me and thought putting yourself out there in the dating world in a completely different way was impossible? And now look at all the shifts. And I know so many of you have shifted just from listening to this podcast. You really slow it down, take out your pen and paper and put what I am asking you all to do to work, not just listen passively, but take massive action. Brooke Castillo talks about this in her self-coaching 101, I believe, but I also took part in her self-coaching scholars program where she talks about massive action versus passive action. She created the thought model tool that I use all the time on myself and my clients and that my coaches use on me. She wrote an incredible book called Self-Coaching 101. This coaching model, and we'll put, I'll put the link to all of these resources in the show notes. I always recommend her podcast, The Life Coach School, where she really touches on how your 
thoughts create your results in every area of your life, your finances, your relationship to your body, your relationship with a lover or with your family members. You get to create anything that you desire with your mind. And so I know 100% that you can heal your heart with your mind. And I worked tirelessly and searched and searched for a solid 12 years. I had my first adult heartbreak at 28, then my rock bottom heartbreak at 30 years old. And I'm now 39. And literally since I was 30, that rock bottom relationship, I especially went on a deeper soul searching journey on figuring out how to heal, read every self-help book under the sun, did therapy, deepened my meditation work, deepened my yoga work, did Reiki, bought all the crystals. I'm still super obsessed with crystals. You should check out my episode with Courtney Abiati, uh, Healing Heartbreak Through Crystals or something to that effect. We will put that also in the show notes. She has an incredible company called The Urban and the Mystic. I've been posting a lot about them recently because I've been purchasing a lot of them recently. And for those of you out there who are not unemployed, go support your local businesses. I'm not supporting the Urban and the Mystic just for the sake of Courtney being my dear friend. I actually genuinely absolutely love her crystals. And I wanted to buy some more before I move up to Santa Barbara, where my man lives, and just create an extra sacred space up there. So I did all the things. I used all the different kinds of healing modalities, you name it, tap and I believe in all of them. Tapping is the emotional freedom technique. And I recently actually worked with an emotional freedom technique teacher because I have a chronic cough. So clearly I am someone who just drinks all the self-help Kool-Aid and I believe in all of them, but I was inspired to become a coach because this coaching work really took my life to the next level. It really is. It's having you just face your life head on and look at the way your brain is working or isn't working to yield you the results that you want. I feel like all these other healing modalities that I have mentioned are still big parts of my life. And I think that they're hugely transformational and some might work better for you than for me or others, but that the coaching is really the thing that made me become the most abundant, the most successful, the most in love, the most happy, the most peaceful, and the most resilient because I still feel negative emotion every day. I still feel anxiety every day. It's just that I manage my mind directly and consciously. There's nothing wrong with me that I feel anxiety and fear and sadness at some point during the day. My brain loves to freak out about all kinds of things. Like the last few weeks, it's like, this is so cheesy and vulnerable for me to share, but I'm so madly in love with my boyfriend and we are in such a good place. And I feel like there was a lot of fear and anxiety of waiting for the other shoe to drop because my brain had not said, I love you to someone in nine years. I know I've shared that a lot, but it really is not used to being in a loving relationship. And so we've been together by the time this air is probably over seven months and it has been an amazing seven months, but I would say the first four, I was falling in love. I knew it off the bat. I knew it that first night that there was something different and so special about this man. But, you know, there's little things that I would think like, 
oh, well, he's up there and I'm down here. So he could totally cheat on me if he wanted to. My brain just loved to go on that field day because I had never experienced this blissful, safe, yet also super exciting love. It was, yeah, safe and exciting. It was a combination that I don't think I have ever experienced. I mean, I think I experienced that in my first love between when I was 16 to 24, but I was a child then compared to the kind of safety that I feel in this relationship now and excitement and really being a much more conscious and aware and the kind of partner who's really clear about the man she wants to be with and really clear about the partner she wants to be to him and really clear on our goals as a couple for the future and really clear on our values and how we see the world. And even if we see it differently, how we communicate and how if we have our own differences, but my brain just, you know, would definitely entertain. And now I just feel this insane amount of trust and it's just, it just keeps growing and it just keeps getting better and better and better as time goes on. And notice that I'm saying all of these as thoughts, right? They're just thoughts. But I love thinking the thought that my relationship gets better and better. Our love grows. I feel a deeper and deeper connection as time goes on with him. And so you know what my brain wants to do now, you guys? My brain wants to say, oh my God, but what if something happens to him? That's just where my brain goes. I fear that if we don't have our health, we don't have anything because we don't, right? And so that's where my brain wants to go. And so I just watch it and I say, okay, this is just another way for you to look to freak out. And that's okay. And he's healthy and he's good. And so are you. So just enjoy the time you have. And I mean, it's not even that weird that I'm thinking that right now with everything that's going on in the world, right? So I just get to pause and feel the fear. And then I like to tell him, let's be really, really healthy (laughs) and try to control living as long as we possibly can and just enjoy the rest of our lives for as long as we possibly can. But those are all the ways that my brain was just wants to freak out. And of course, even though I'm steadily creating clients every week. Since the pandemic started, I've created a client a week, which is pretty amazing. It's actually uh, more frequent than what it was before the pandemic because I took my brain to the next level and was just like, people need me more than ever because we're all alone at home with our own minds that want to run amok. And if they are unmanaged while experiencing heartbreak, you can really want to climb the walls and catastrophize and freak out and spiral and pretty much want to lose it in times like this. So I really believe that. And so with that belief only brings me the right kind of clients who are ready to do this next level work. So I was inspired to do this episode on feeling not enough because I had a client come to me in December. So here we now are. I'm recording this mid-April. She came to me totally heartbroken. She's exactly my age. We're like a week apart, exactly a week apart. And we just have so much in common and just hit it off. And she came to me totally heartbroken and someone who really loves to do the work on herself and was so ready to dive into this work. And sure enough, she has healed her heart and has been for the last couple of months putting herself out there to date very consciously. And she's attracted some doozies, but a huge part of her growth journey post 
healing that initial heartbreak that she came to me for is learning boundaries and really learning to not apologize for things she doesn't feel she needs to apologize for. Does that resonate with any of you? Are you apologizing for shit you don't really have to apologize for? Do you let people just call you or contact you whenever they feel like it or reach out to ask you out last minute or let them say things that are disrespectful or kind of think that they can get away with? Well, that was a little bit what was going on with my client in certain ways because she totally admits that she's a people pleaser. She and I had a great laugh. I'm like, you know, how can you show up as a non-people pleaser in other areas of your life? And I gave her an example for myself is I like to see the coffee baristas see me give them a tip in the tip jar so that they know I'm not cheap or not generous. What? I know. Come on, you guys. A lot of you are out there and can relate, right? No? Or maybe some of you are like, fuck that. I don't tip. (laughs) But my client and I had a great laugh laugh, because she's like, that is totally what I do. I would never put money in the tip jar that they could not see, which is really making it about me versus making it about them. It is making it about me wanting them to like me and approve of me, especially because I see the same faces pretty much every day. So I was like, what would it be like to just put money in the tip jar when their backs are turned to you? It seems so silly of an example and pointless in terms of how do you show up in a different way. But I actually think little examples like this are reprogramming your brain to not need to people please. Just people please yourself saying, I'm the type of person who likes to give generously, who doesn't need validation or approval or a thank you. Just doing it for the sake of doing it for them to just feel abundance and not me needing to take credit for it. And so what was happening with this particular client in her dating life is people were asking her questions that really weren't appropriate and she would answer them. And I'm like, why did you answer that? Or uh, one guy was really placing a high expectation on her after going out with her for two dates. And he kind of freaked out that she didn't respond to him in a certain amount of time. And they'd only been out two times. And she ends up apologizing and explaining herself. And I'm like, you didn't owe him that apology. So we've really grown her confidence and her awareness around just really wanting to learn to own herself and not need approval of others for her to give herself that kind of approval. And so lo and behold, not to my surprise, not to my surprise, she has made this beautiful connection with a new guy and they're having an amazing time getting to know each other during this pandemic that has led to a few bike rides six feet apart. And she is just having so much fun and feeling these really deep feelings. You know, she's been on a few dates and she's connected with a lot of different people. And this is the one guy that I have never heard her speak like this before. And she's super excited. However, a lot of not enough feelings are coming up for her. When she thinks Ugh, I'm not enough. I'm not attractive enough. That's a big one for her. And I've heard so many other clients and I know that I have felt that way before, especially in my twenties. 
into my 30s when I was acting and modeling, I felt like what I looked like had to matter so much. And if they didn't think that I was attractive enough, then I must not be attractive enough. If they didn't think my body was good enough, then it wouldn't be good enough. And so therefore I should work out harder and therefore I should eat less and deprive myself and cut back because of what someone else thought of me. And so she really has been showing up and doing the work and sending me thought models. This is what I require of my clients to do. It is a six month commitment, not just to heal your heart, but then to fall in love with yourself and get so clear on the past and so clear on the way you showed up in your past and then observe how you're showing up presently in your dating life to catch all the ways that you are thinking that are yielding you the result of attracting unsatisfying men. And so we had obviously cleaned all of that up, but this whole time it was gnawing at her about her body not being where she wanted it to be. And it was really starting to resurface again because of this connection. But, you know, he also had mentioned that he used to really prioritize looks in past relationships, which then made her feel more triggered because then she was thinking, so he doesn't think I'm attractive enough, which I think so many of you listening could relate to that. He, you know, I think if my boyfriend said that to me, I would be like, oh, so you're saying you're settling on looks with me? Uh, what? Right. So it's so natural that her brain is going there. And especially because it's only triggering these insecure thoughts like I'm not thin enough or my body isn't hard enough or fit enough, right? Because you were already thinking that about yourself before the person came in. And that is why I require the six months because there is so much more to this work than just healing over your ex. It is about healing your relationship with you. And so what I ask my clients to do is send me thought models, the the same thought model that Brooke Castillo created that I referenced earlier. Again, we'll put the uh, link in the show notes to her book and to her podcast that breaks down this thought model. And so she was having all these insecure thoughts. Also, she hadn't heard from him for a few hours. And so she said, circumstance, he isn't texting me as much as he usually does. And I said, that is not a circumstance. The circumstance is always a neutral fact. So he didn't text me since 2 p.m. That is the fact, right? And it's your thoughts about the fact that are creating the anxiety, And I know that circumstances can feel or thoughts can feel very factual, but they're not. And so we really broke down the facts. And she said, you know, he hasn't texted since whatever the time was, however many hours had passed. Really keep it to the facts. I cannot express that enough. I tell my clients this all the time. They still fuck it up. And that's okay. And again, that is why I require the longer commitment because we are always going to fuck up. We are always going to fall on our faces. I just started working with a client and she already still made contact with her ex after she was committed to not making contact. This is what happens. Again, if you were to lose weight and set that goal with a coach, the reason why you hire the coach is because most likely you're going to fall off the wagon and eat something that wasn't on your protocol. And then you try to figure out, well, what was I thinking that made me take the action of eating the cake, right? Whatever it is. 
That is why we hire coaches because we will fall on our faces and it isn't about judging or shaming or having your coach yell at you, yell at you. I, uh, I have so many clients who are like, don't get mad at me. And I'm like, I'm never going to get mad. I'm full of tough love, but I'm never going to get mad, mad. We're just going to investigate. What were you thinking that drove the action that's yielding you the result of still being in the stuck place that you don't want to be in anymore, which was why you hired me. And so all these thoughts were coming up and she said, you know, he must not think I'm as attractive and this feels too good to be true. That was a thought that I for sure thought for a long time. And you know what, guys, I'm going to be totally honest. Sometimes I still think that. And I think my boyfriend thinks that about me. Sometimes we're just like, are you for real? Because we just love each other so much. And the brain isn't used to that. He's had his own stuff in his past relationships and I've had mine. And so then when it feels so good and so right, the brain is going to be like, really? So this is all normal for any of you who are listening. It is normal to think this way, but it is your job. If you want to feel differently, if you don't want to feel anxious or insecure or think not enough thoughts that will make you feel unworthy, inadequate, sad, insecure, powerless, unlovable, it is your job to manage these thoughts. And that is what this work is about. And so many people say, yeah, 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 I can do that. Or I did that, but then this happened and it made me feel this way. Then you didn't do it. This is the work. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. If you do a model in the morning and it makes you feel good and then something happens later in the day and that doesn't make you feel good, like he doesn't respond or he does respond and it comes off as short, then you've got to remanage your mind again. He is not responsible for your happiness. He is not responsible for your worthiness or enoughness or security or adequacy or power or anything. He is not responsible. You are responsible. My client was thinking all these not enough thoughts that were making her feel anxious and sad. And she said she was really, her action was that she was really spiraling and all over the place and she couldn't focus and she couldn't be present with the rest of her life and all the things. And so she reached out to me. And so it sounded like she was really triggered as she said, she was spiraling and I've been working with her, as I said, since December, and I knew she was in a trigger and she was just scrambling to get out of the trigger. And I just said, my love, you have got to be with this trigger. You are spiraling. You are triggered. Your brain is super loud right now. These not enough thoughts are just screaming out that they are feels screaming so loud that they feel so true. And you just need to be with that thought right now. You need to be with your trigger right now. Now is not the time to find a new thought to feel better. There is no way when we are triggered and your loud old school thought that has been replaying in your brain for maybe 35 plus years is going to just quiet down and then you're going to jump from I don't feel enough to I'm totally enough. No fucking way. This is why I know I keep, I get, I get criticized for selling coaching, but this is why the one-on-one coaching, and then eventually I'm scaling to program, but the one-on-one coaching is so important because you think you're doing the work and you think you're being the good student to go jump to the next better intentional model. And I'm working with a coach. And so I'm just going to reach out to her so that I can feel better. But I knew intuitively it wasn't the time. Life is 50% negative and 50% positive. As I have said, 
I feel anxiety and pain and fear every single day because my brain loves to go to town about all the things every day. And I've come a long way. I'm not crippled with anxiety and pain and fear every day, but I notice my brain and I manage it and I watch it and I shift it when it's ready to be shifted. And it was clear to me that this client wasn't ready. And that is more than okay. We are not always ready to jump to the new thought. And so you've got to breathe through it. This is where the mindfulness practice techniques, meditation, yoga, write out what you're thinking without needing to change it when it's loud and real and raw and panicky in the body. Breathe through it. Find your feet in the, on the ground. Watch the brain. Just watch. Don't shame yourself for thinking the thought, oh, I've been working with Claire since December, so I should know how to get out of this already. No, part of the process of getting yourself to a place where you're so fucking in love with yourself is allowing the little girl inside to cry and fall apart and feel her feelings and feel the fear and recognize that she needs extra love and extra love. And this was a huge aha for another client in our work together. We've been working together since February. And already she's like, I didn't know that giving myself permission to feel sad and permission for my brain to long for my ex was part of what loving myself means. I'm going to say that again. I didn't know that letting myself cry and feel sad and long for myself, long for my ex is a part of the process of loving myself. Feeling your pain is loving yourself. And that is different from indulging, saying not fair and he did this and clinging on and resisting reality and blaming him and blaming you and reaching out and yelling at him, but then reaching out again and then apologizing, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about reacting off of thoughts that aren't serving you, just watching them and observing them and breathing through them and putting your hand on your heart and noticing how your brain wants to spiral and watching how those thoughts make you feel so much more pain. And so that's really what I wanted to hit home on with this particular client when she was feeling triggered, when she hadn't heard from him and she was starting to really spiral. And the biggest thought was, I must not be attractive to him. And so I said, just be with it. And sure enough, she sent me a whole new model with all these new thoughts of, I think she had actually sent me the new intentional model with the old model. Um, But it was clear to me that she wasn't believing the new model. Again, this is why I really encourage the one-on-one coaching because I can tell when my clients are bullshitting themselves. And it's not because it was coming from a place where she was trying to bullshit me and try to bullshit herself. She was just desperate to not feel triggered, which again, having compassion for ourselves, of course, nobody wants to feel triggered, but the key is to feel it for it to pass quicker. And so when I read her new model, which was, I am enough, I am beautiful, I am sexy. It just felt like these cliche affirmations that make people want to just scoff at the self-help world, right? Like, just find gratitude for your health and the roof over your head and you'll feel great. No. And so I really asked her, I'm like, do those thoughts really feel true to you? Because I'm not buying it based on what the original thought was. And I also knew that I that. I didn't believe her because then it was like, why are you reaching out to me? Because you're literally prefacing these two models by telling me you're super triggered. You haven't heard from him the way you normally do. And you're really believing that you're not attractive enough. 
the fact that she gave me these new, the, the new intentional model with kind of the cliche affirmations about herself showed me she really wasn't believing it or feeling better. So I encouraged her just stay with the trigger, breathe through it. And when you are ready, and she's far enough along in this work to figure out when she's ready to really try on new, better feeling thoughts that feel absolutely true for her. Don't try on some pretty thought that just sounds good that might be coach approved by Claire. And so I had sent her that back saying, look, I just don't buy this new model. I think you just need to be with these strong thoughts and feelings and move through them consciously, breathe through it, cry it out, feel your feelings, watch your brain, give yourself loving compassion. And then when you are ready to really open yourself up to new thoughts, send me that model. But what happened was, and I thought this was super interesting, and again, why I love the coaching one-on-one so much, because I caught her in a trap. The next morning, she sent me an email and said, oh my goodness, I started working on newer models, which in my brain, I was like, I didn't ask her to work on newer models. I asked her to be with her pain. I asked her to be with her triggering thought. And I am not calling this client out. She's so amazing and such a baller. And I love that. I'm like, nope, you did that wrong. And she's like, oh, really? Show me. She doesn't have room to blame herself or give herself a hard time for not getting it right with the coach model. Um, This is why she's coaching with me for me to catch how she's falling into traps and doesn't even see. This is the beauty of coaching. I show people and my coaches do this with me and my brain. Show me what my brain is doing that isn't serving me. She's showing me my brain. My coach shows me what my brain is doing that I can't see. And then I was showing this client what her her brain was doing that she couldn't see. And she was giving herself false validation. So she said, Claire, crazy story. I started working on the models after I got your message. And I'm like, I told you not to work on new models. Okay. And she said, um... And then he ended up writing me the sweetest message. And I'm just filled with so much gratitude for my work for you. And I'm just filled with so much gratitude about all these different things. And it was just like, la, 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 la. And so I immediately wrote her back and I was like, girlfriend, you're feeling so much better because you heard from him. And first of all, I told you not to do new models. I told you to be with your trigger, not try to wiggle your way out of something that was really pressing and heavy and true. And then you did the model and then you heard from him and now you're feeling so much better. Why do you think that is? And for any of you who are listening right now who are like, no, I would feel so much better if I heard from the guy that I was really interested in and he wrote me a really sweet message. And I think he even said, I might be, I might be wrong here, but I think he even acknowledged that he really hadn't been in touch that day, which is always great when you're like feeling really paranoid and he's kind of been out of touch. And then he touches base. He's like, hey, sorry, it's been crazy or whatever. And so it just gives you that much validation, right? But she was feeling better because she heard from him. She wasn't feeling better because she did authentic, better feeling thought models on herself. And that is the work. Now, I want to be clear here. When I first started dating my boyfriend, and I shared this with my client, when I first started dating him, and he has an extremely full life up in Santa Barbara, when we weren't together, I mean, now I see him 
half the time. We, we see each other for like half a week, every week. And when we were first dating, obviously we were seeing each other like every other weekend. And I would hear from him every day, but it would be kind of just random little touching base. And sometimes he would call and we would have lovely conversations. But I mean, it really wasn't much <laughs> to, to really continue to feel like super secure and, oh, he must be super into me. And of course, I was wondering, was he dating other people and all the things? And so I would feel better when I would hear from him. There's nothing bad or wrong about that. But what was happening with my client was that she was worried about what he thought of her in terms of her attractiveness level. That was the biggest, the biggest fear for her. She knew that they were intellectually connecting, emotionally connecting. She really just felt like I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, my body isn't good enough for him. Like he's so much more attractive than me. Why would he go for someone like me? This is too good to be true. And she was berating herself. And then when he was reaching out to her, she would feel better. Now, when I felt like I wasn't hearing from my boyfriend, I would really be freaking out. Yes, this is me seven months ago because I really, really liked him. And the time that we did spend together felt so freaking magical. And I was like, I just want this to continue. But never once did I worry that I wasn't smart enough, attractive enough, good enough or like fun enough. Like I just felt like the connection was so good. And if he wasn't, didn't want to continue seeing me or decided to change his mind, I would be really upset, but I wouldn't make that mean that I wasn't enough. And this is the work you guys, there's clean pain when you are longing for someone who you really like, and he ultimately decides he's not that into you, you're going to feel bummed. You're going to feel disappointed. I like to make lots of analogies and I'm criticized about growing my business. I'm criticized about using the weight loss analogy. So I'm going to go along with the actor analogy, right? You want that job so bad. By the way, I'm going to keep using the weight loss analogy and the growing my business analogy, but I'm just going to use the actor analogy today. Hopefully no one's offended. But the actor who auditions for the part that is perfect for her, she wants it so badly. It comes down to her and someone else. Let's say she's a tall, pale brunette, and it ultimately goes to a tall or short tan blonde, (laughs) right? It's a bummer. You feel the disappointment of not getting the thing that you wanted. But does the girl, I'm using the tall, pale brunette uh, for a reason, if any of you haven't picked up on that. But if I then start to say, oh my God, I must not be a good enough actress. I suck. I'm not talented enough. There's no room for me in this business. That's where the dirty pain thoughts come in, right? And so that was what was happening with my client was that she was making it mean something about her if he was to walk away. And then when he did show up, took responsibility for not being as in touch, wrote a really sweet message, then all of her Christmases were coming together. So I really want to hit home on this ownership of yourself. How is it true that you are enough? You don't feel enough that you think that you are enough so that you can feel worthy, happy, lovable, confident, empowered. And then when you're thinking I am enough and you feel those feelings, how do you act? 
under the circumstance that I haven't heard from him for five hours, right? It's like your brain automatically wants to say, he must not like me. I must not be enough. I'm not pretty enough, thin enough, smart enough, whatever it is, right? And it's like, okay, well, if I wanted to just think I am enough, regardless of whether he shows up or he doesn't, how would I show up? How would I show up for myself? And when you're super triggered, you just need to be with your trigger. So I'm going to add on to this with a personal anecdote regarding my relationship, because I just said in the beginning of my relationship that started seven months ago, by the time this episode releases, I was super confident. I was just like, we hit it off. I can tell he really likes me. I make him laugh. I think I bring something to the table to his life that he hasn't had before and vice versa. He has led a very different life than I have. And I think us coming together, we offer a lot of different perspective on life and it just makes our relationship more interesting. And I knew the attraction was there. I just felt like this is great. And I'm great. And I love how I'm showing up. And I shared this with the same client because I really had these enough thoughts. And then when I wasn't hearing from him or I felt like a gap had gone by in a day or when he did reach out, the text was a little like, hey, hope you're having a good day. A little crazed over here. You know, (laughs) it was being these arbitrary and in my brain, like, oh, he's not that into me. (laughs) Right. So I would manage my brain around that without indulging. I'm not enough. I would move through that. But one of the first times he stayed with me in LA, uh, I, we woke up, we had such a great night and woke up the next morning and he was heading back up there for work. And I just felt this like pang in my stomach. And I think it was just him being in my space and going back up there. And I, it was just, I was so used to me going up there. I really like going up there and ultimately I'm moving there and it's just easier. And uh, for many reasons, I, I really, prefer because I work from home, podcast from home, write from home. It's nice to get away. But he came down to see me in the middle of the week one night. And again, we must have only been dating six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. And I just woke up with him the next morning and I just was feeling really anxious and really insecure. And we had just had a really great night and he was getting ready and going to work and, you know, driving back up there. And he had like his work suitcase or briefcase or whatever you want to call it. And he just got himself all ready for work. And I just thought he looked so fucking dreamy and all of this like anxiety. And I asked him, I think one or or two or three times, three times max, maybe it was just two, but I was like, is everything okay with you? Like, are we good? It was my first really like insecure, get me validation, please (laughs) moment. I will never forget it. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And then when we said goodbye, lovely kiss goodbye. And I just looked at him again. And I'm like, if there was something going on or you weren't feeling it, you would tell me. Right. And he was like, yes, but I'm so good. And I'm, I'm so happy and like, we're good. And I'm like, okay. I say goodbye to him. And lucky me, I had my own one-on-one coaching session with my coach and I got on the call with her and I didn't have any piece of evidence to support that I should feel this way. He did not act differently. We had such a great time. 
I would say the only thing that really had changed was it was one of the first times he was down here visiting me. And I just talked it out with my client or with my coach. And I started to heave, sob, cry on the call with her. Like just that kind of panic, like (gasps) little girl, like where is my mom cry that I hadn't really had in a while. I think the last time I had heave sobbed, cried was that. So that must've been in like November. I had heave sobbed, cried the last time I can remember in June. I'm a regular crier. I love crying. I think it's such a great, healthy release. But in June, when I moved to my first big girl apartment in Beverly Hills, I was freaking out. Like, can I do all of this on my own? And, um, just went into panic because my brain wasn't used to just living in such a beautiful space to call my own. And so my brain was freaking out and shocker, my brain was freaking out again because I had never felt this way about someone before. I realized that the thought that I had was, oh my God, I'm feeling not enough. See, notice that I just said I'm feeling not enough, but it really is a thought. I thought I wasn't enough for him. And I unpacked it with my coach and I'm like, this is the first grown up that I've ever really solidly dated. Even though it's super new, I just feel like we really like each other and we're really showing up for each other in the limited time that we do have. And we get along so well. And we're just on the same page about so many things. And I'm just so interested in everything that he has to say. And it seems to be that he's interested in everything that I have to say. And that's weird. And just the physical connection is amazing. Like everything is amazing. And when I see him, I totally melt. And The night before, he actually held me in his arms and he said, you know, I'm not going to let you go. And even still, the next morning when he left, I was like, I'm not enough to my coach and was heave sob crying because I was so scared. He was going to see the part of me that still believed I wasn't enough. These old stories don't just disappear even when you've done a fuck ton of work on yourself. It is a daily process or just when you think that finally I am enough, right? You're like, I must be enough. I mean, I definitely thought that here I am creating this baller business, doing something I'm more passionate about than acting, which was my lifelong dream. Even when I trained to become a life coach, I was still acting and people said, you were meant to do this, Claire. And I was like, nope, this is my plan B to support my plan A. Like, I think it'll be a really cool thing, but acting is my first love. I was so annoyed when people would say that I was meant to be a life coach. Cause then I was like, wait, no, I'm meant to be an actor. I really, and truly like, can't, I, I mean, literally I just lost my words. <laughs> I, if someone had told me Over six years ago, when I came out to LA to continue acting out here and to get the fuck out of New York City after all that shit I had been through, go to my Heartbreak Story episode five if you don't know what that rock bottom story was. I mean, if someone just told me like, oh, six years down the road, you're going to have a thriving business serving other heartbroken women and you're going to fall in love and move up to Santa Barbara, I'd be like, yeah, right. And no, thank you. So I couldn't ask for anything more. I couldn't ask for a better partner. I couldn't ask ask for more of a dream job. I mean, it get ugh, it makes me emotional just even talking like this. And still, still, 
there was that moment that my brain believed I wasn't enough. And I know it was that I looked at him and I, he was in his work clothes and he just looked so fucking dreamy and he picked up his work case. And I'm just so impressed by the level of intelligence that he has and the drive that he has and how ambitious and successful that he is. Like, I think that that's super attractive. And he just is so loving to me and so kind to me and makes it so clear how much he cares about me. And we have so much fucking fun together. I'm like, my brain just could not handle. And even as I say that, I, I just remember the moment so clearly I was in my, my bathrobe outside saying goodbye to him and watching him leave and just having this pang, like it's too good to be true. So I hope it makes sense that I'm sharing that tidbit versus how in the beginning, the very beginning, I was super, super confident, but then my feelings deepened and the stakes got higher because I was like, I'm falling in love with this man. Like, I just know that I am and it is crazy and it is amazing and it is fucking scary. And so with my coach, when I was heave, sob, crying, she was trying to get me to a place to, A, calm the fuck down. Not really. She's amazing. But, you know, I was crying it out and, and we were talking about, well, how is it true that I am enough for him? And I was like, you know what? I can't even go there right now because I'm just in shock that my brain still has this story buried deep within so I'm just going to be with this realization right now that my brain, after all this growth and being what I think is the best heartbreak coach out there, and I think I'm the best heartbreak coach out there because of all the healing and all the growth that I've done. And yet still, my brain can still think I'm not enough for this man. It's crazy. But also, I don't think that makes me any less of a coach. I actually think it makes me a better coach because I don't judge my brain for having negative thoughts. I watch it and I cry it out. And I don't even need to jump to the next better feeling thought. The natural coach question would be, how is it true that you are enough for him? And today I could tell you why I totally think I'm enough for him. But in that moment, it was just quite the aha to bring to the surface and just, it was just like another layer of not enoughness was shed that morning. And I never went into the nitty gritty details, but I did post that day and I posted a very tear stained selfie. And I just said, you know, I just heave sobbed, cried on the phone with my coach. I obviously didn't go into why. And then, you know, when we were together the next time, he said, so what were you, what were you heave sobbed crying about? And I was like, ah, I'd prefer not to talk about it. But eventually I did share it with him. I said, you know, I don't know if it seems less attractive to you if I share with you my insecurities. But when you left that day, I just was like, oh, my God, I don't think like I realized the thought that I had was I don't think I'm enough for you. And he asked why. And I was like, you're the first real grown up who's just a fucking man who shows up in all the ways. And I'm so crazily attracted to you. And I just have so much fun with you and your heart and your soul and just the person you are and your morals and your drive and all of it. It's just like, you're just everything you're beyond. And you just have 
all the things that I want and more certain things I don't care about that are just added bonuses that I just think are super fucking amazing and sexy and attractive. And you're all those things. And I, and my brain is just like, uh, nope, you can't have that. You're not enough. And so I offer this to all of you who indulge that story a lot, or maybe some of you are listening right now and you're thinking, no, I think I'm enough. I think I'm enough. But if you are attracting men or women who break your heart and judge you or reject you, and again, rejection is just a thought, and you're finding yourself in their business, trying to unravel their brains and figure out how you can get them back or trying to figure out what you did so that you can do it differently next time, I would say that that would fall under the story that you don't think that you you're enough. When you know that you are enough, you can feel the pain and the disappointment of someone who you really want to be with, not want to be with you, but you don't indulge and judge and shame and blame and believe that you are not enough in the way you look, in the way that you perform in your job, or that you're not enough in the job that you have or in other relationships or with your finances. You just know that you're the best version of yourself and that maybe you've made mistakes and you can learn from them and clean up those mistakes in the future. But the right person isn't going to leave you because of your mistakes. Now, if my boyfriend cheated on me, I would be leaving him. And again, I don't think cheating is a black and white issue. For me, it pretty much is because I think cheating happens when partners are asleep at the wheel and my partner and I are so not asleep at the wheel. So if he was to cheat, that would just 100% be a deal breaker for me in particular. So everybody has different stances. Do I think relationships can survive after cheating? Do I think relationships can thrive after cheating? Yes. I just am so into my relationship and present with my partner, it is a deal breaker for me. So he would have to do the work and clean up his own mistakes, but even still he could forgive himself and grow and heal and move on without thinking he's not enough. Thinking you're not enough is a choice, my loves. Always, always, always. But again, when it's super loud and raw and feels super real, you've got to just be with the thought. Be with it, cry it out, punch it out, breathe it out, talk it out, write it out, be with it. And when you are ready, don't look for the other person to give you that validation. Give that validation to yourself. And that is the work. So great for my client that the guy reached out. I still want her to find her person. And hopefully this guy is her person. But her real work is about loving herself, loving her body, owning her beauty, owning her sex appeal, regardless of what that guy thinks or anyone else thinks. And furthermore, I'd like to add, which I talked about with her as well. Look, I've shared this. The first time I saw my boyfriend on our date, I was totally attracted, freaked out, like, oh my God, oh my God. But I've also dated men where I didn't think that initially. Attraction can grow based on who the person is, based on their humor, based on their hearts, based on their intelligence, based on their emotional availability, right? And so I've had amazing physical connections with people who I wasn't attracted to right off the bat because the the intimate connection between the two hearts and souls and brains grew that physical attraction. So I said to her, well, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is he's like, she's not exactly my physical type, but the woman she is, 
is making me more attracted to her. What if he thought that? And then she even said to me, you know what? There's certain parts of him that I'm not like, oh my God, he's so physically amazing. And I'm like, right, but you really like him. So physical attraction is not everything, my loves. I do think physical attraction is a huge priority for me. Um, but I, my point is physical attraction can absolutely grow. And if he doesn't think that you're normally his physical type, but he's really attracted to you because of who you are, why does that have to be a bad thing? And also it's not your business. And the most important opinion of your physical appearance and the person that you are is your own opinion. So keep working away at that. Again, when it feels loud and raw and real and true and painful, you got to be with it. Download all the thoughts, breathe through it, cry it out, yell it out, all the things, share it with a loved one, go to a coach or a therapist, get it out, be with it. And then when you are ready, transform the thoughts. And the added bonus is that partner coming into your life is that partner showing up. But the real win, the result that I want all of my clients to achieve is not getting that guy to stay or getting your ex to come back or finding love. It is about being so in love with yourself, regardless of who comes and who goes. This was a long one, but I also think it was a good one. And remember, you are enough if you decide you're enough. So much love, my loves. Until next time. Bye. Hey, love. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down and would like to deepen this work with me as your coach, go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com forward slash work dash with dash me and apply for my six month one-on-one coaching program where we'll not only heal your heart, but take your entire life to the next level. I can't wait to read your application.